Welcome to Wellness Spring. Dear Dr. Derek Mahoney, I know you are super busy and a very highly sought after speaker. So thank you so much for giving up your precious time to be here today. I'm yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for the inbox. Pleasure. I'm so grateful to Patrick McEwen, the founder of Oxygen Advantage for mentioning your brilliant work when I interviewed him recently. And again, when I did his um, Buteco breathing instructors course and all the students were like, oh my God, can't wait to listen to the interviews. So many of them have yeah. heard of you and some of them are your clients as well. Patrick McEwen is really, you know, I always use this pun, but a, a breath of fresh air. He <laughs> literally has put what Buteco started many, many years ago on the world map. Um, and I think Constantine Bucoco, Buteco, who I actually had the pleasure of meeting, um, wow. uh, was very much focused on the asthma side of things. But, uh, but Patrick's taken this to a whole breathing well, whereas if you don't have asthma, you know, you still uh, will sleep better and your face will grow more favorably. Uh, and, you know, all sorts of things if you learn how to nasal breathe versus mouth breathe. And, you, you know, my passion, uh, if you want to say, you know, if you ask me the question, what's the one thing I could do to change the world? It would be to convert every parent who doesn't understand the dangers of mouth breathing into understanding the benefits of nasal breathing. So I thank Patrick very much for that. And he's a very humble, uh, doesn't want to be the spotlight type of guy. Uh, but his depth of knowledge is just second to none. So yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, thank you. And I'm sure he'd be very pleased. As you said, he's very humble and he'd be looking forward to listening to this interview as well. And um, yeah, I, I've been blown away since I've I've been teaching various forms of breathing techniques for years. And recently finding out with SIDS, for example, the sudden infant deaths, a lot of those could have been um, avoided if someone noticed the high palates. And I know from your work looking, as soon as Patrick mentioned you, I Googled your name and I come across all the 60 minute videos. The one about the twins was phenomenal. And I think every listener should look at that because the difference in the before and after is unbelievable. Like one having the traditional extractions and the other one having your preventative yeah. methods. What I admire about you, like Patrick, you're very humble and all the amount of research that you do. And could you please tell our listeners how you differ from other traditional orthodontists? because I absolutely love your well, philosophy. Yeah. Well, look, I trained as a traditional orthodontist. I trained in London at the Eastman Dental School, very prestigious uh, uh, center of learning. But unfortunately, the, the program there is very much focused on moving teeth, you know. Um, so uh, uh, if, if you had crooked teeth, I was taught that you just created room by pulling some teeth out uh, uh, putting braces on and getting the teeth into the space you'd created. And when I graduated, which was, you know, after three years, I, I thought, you know, I, I knew it all and it was wonderful. And then I was just very lucky during my time in Europe uh, to come across 
I, uh, uh, a colleague, uh, uh, Professor Sten Linda Aronson, who was back then researching what facial changes occur in kids who had uh, nasal obstruction, in particular large adenoids, um, and, and kids who were breathing normally. And it was amazing, his research. And it really got me interested in this whole, um, what could airway have to do um, with growth of the face? Um, so then I came back to Australia and I started practicing and I was kind of, um, you know, trying to find some more information on uh, early treatment, on breathing, on facial changes, and nothing was happening in Australia. It was very traditional. It was like um, exactly like being back in the UK. And I thought, wow, this is Australia is such a progressive country. Uh, you know, surely this needs to change. And so I, I, I took a I took a journey, probably took me a year, and 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 I listened to everyone in the field. I listened to people like John Mew, uh, who Patrick knows very well, and you know uh, his amazing study on the twins, uh, comparing again facial changes if you treat late versus early. And you know uh, I listened to um, I met actually at um, one of John Mew's uh, seminars a chap called Bill Hang who has become a good friend and colleague of mine over the years. And he's a, another progressive orthodontist in, in, um, in the US who, who again now understands that if you straighten someone's teeth um, and you don't look at their face and you don't look at their airway, you really, it's, it's almost like uh, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. So, you know, I've gone from focusing on teeth to focusing on good breathing a good-looking face, which is a good airway, um, and and this has become a passion of of mine, not just in the way I practice now, but also in what I try and teach my colleagues and 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 dentists and chiropractors and physiotherapists and anyone who wants to listen. To be honest with you, uh, because uh, I mean, I think I I read through one of your emails. You've been the victim of the old school orthodontics, much like me and much like John Mew. You know, we've all had. Yeah. Um, good teeth removed for no reason. I I look at my. I was able to when when I when I became a dentist. I actually went back to my treating orthodontist for work experience. You know, and back then I still didn't have any clue about orthodontics. I was just out of high school, and um, and you know I dug up my my orthodontic dental records, which I ended up keeping. And when I graduated as an orthodontist and started learning newer techniques, I realized what a horrible treatment I had. <laughs> I had very mild crowding. I had a recessive jaw, what we know as class two. Um, and I should have had arch expansion to make room and encourage my lower jaw to grow forward. But instead, I had to wear this horrific device called a head brace or headgear that pulled my upper jaw, my maxilla back. And, and to add injury to insult, they took out teeth to resolve the crowding. So, you know, um, I, I'm very passionate about what I do because of that negative experience that I had. And, and I'm just hoping more and more parents, and I don't know whether your listeners are more professional people or, 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 or mothers of kids or all of the above, but it, it's just absolutely criminal if people are still practicing this old school orthodontics. Not, not, not for the whole debate of, you know, uh, a good looking face and a nice smile, but from the perspective of, of children's concentration at school and their sleep and their breathing. And, you know, uh, there's just so many bigger layers that I've now come across in my studies and in my own research, in fact. Yeah, the, 
totally agree. And the only reason I mentioned the twins video is because you follow that principle and you do the prevention rather than the extractions and work on the face profile and improving the airway. And um, the video that I liked that you talked about, there was um, six orthodontics on 60 Minutes who had been given someone's x-rays of their dentils and they all said, yes, they need minimum four teeth out. And you, as yep. a very young orthodontist, said, no, no, no. Um, we, we have to try and save those teeth. That would be the very last resort. And, um, and it's funny you, funny you mentioned that. That young child who I treated back then is now a very successful lawyer in Sydney. And I, and, um, I, and I, I still keep in touch with his mum because she's lovely. And, um, and, you know, he's got this is, I think that was 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. He has, he's a tall guy. He's over six foot. He's got this beautiful profile and, um, uh, you know, he's, they're just so appreciative of what happened. But let me tell you, that was a storm in a teacup, uh, that episode, because I was getting, you know, threatening calls from my colleagues saying, how dare you, uh, you know, but how do you head out how dare you ruin the profession what are you saying and i actually i wasn't trying to grandiose myself i was just trying to educate the public that there is a better way rather than just pulling teeth out and and a classic example and the producer of that story did did, did their research and you know um and they um in fact the producer uh, she had four teeth out as a kid and had all sorts of problems with her jaw joint and then put two and two together and realized this and this is a really big story um, and, and to this day, I think of all the 60-minute stories in Australia, at least, it's been the most um, watched uh, thing. So I'm glad it changed a way that parents think, and now parents are coming in demanding early treatment, demanding non-extraction treatment. And, you know, I wasn't there to in any way cause animosity amongst my professional colleagues. It was there just to say, look, there is an alternative. And at the end of the day, what's wrong with a parent seeking an opinion? But I think a lot of orthodontists who rang me and made you know, very, uh, I don't know, very uh, disparaging comments um, uh, were those who, who the week following that airing of that program uh, had patients cancelling their appointments to have that were booked in to have teeth out. It was, it was, it was quite extraordinary. But, um, I mean, things have changed a lot in Australia since that story. I've met a lot of younger orthodontists now who are very much doing what I do, which, which, is, um, which is great to see. Um, and I, I'm not sure um, in the UK, when I speak to my good friend and colleague, uh, John Mew, he still seems to think it's, it's, it's gone back to uh, what it's been for years. But uh, what a shame and what a pity. Yeah, I think the world is changing because a lot of people are into quick fixes. So maybe yeah. they don't want to do the work on themselves, all the exercises, you know, involved. Yeah. And they're quick for the quick solution of having extractions and the braces, but don't realize all the complications. And, yeah, um, yeah. I, well, just... I, I see that every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I see people in company, Invisalign has done such an amazing marketing around the world that people literally come in and they think orthodontics is Invisalign. And I, and I, and I say to parents, look, 
you know, me giving your child some clear plastic aligners may make their teeth look nice for a while, but you're missing the bigger picture. Look at your child's jaw. Invisalign is not going to correct that. Um, and, and then we talk about, you know, their kids um, sleep. That's always a good conversation starter. Does your child snore? How's your child's performance at school? What's his behavior like at home? And people don't seem to link this to their jaws. And it's very, very important. You know, um, I remember uh, if you, you know, your listeners have ever read a book, it's called Your Jaws, Your Life. And it's by Dr. David Page. And he links all the uh, um, relationships of many systemic health disorders to having a jaw problem. And it's very, very good reading. Things like a higher chance of bedwetting where you've got a narrow palate. Obviously, the sleep apnea of the recessive lower jaw. Uh, but you know, increased chance of grinding your teeth, increased chance of jaw problems. And it's, it's very, very good um, for parents to understand that it's not just about straight teeth. It's about giving your child the best you can give them and the time to treat. That's the other controversy. Parents always say to me, look, I had braces when I was in, in high school. Why is it we're treating um, young Johnny while he's still seven or eight? And I explained to them, because what we're trying to do is change his facial growth. And by the time young Johnny gets to year seven or eight in school, that's already finished and we've missed the boat. So it's very important to educate parents because, you know, mums want the best for their children. I've never met a mum in my 35 years in the profession who's come in and said, look, I just want the cheapest option for my kid. Uh, I don't really care about the consequences. They all want the best for their kid. And I find many of them are possibly getting short changed because they're not being given these options. And that's what John Mew has been so passionate about for so many years in the UK, uh, much to the detriment of his own career where, you know, um, uh, I guess, shall we call them the powers of darkness there, have tried to um, revoke his license because he's kind of like that uh, uh, prophet in the wilderness. And uh, I just think it's, it's everyone has the right to make their own decisions and they need to be given enough facts in that regard. And the more you read, and I know you've read a lot outside the, 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 the box, um, uh, the more you realise that this is just common sense. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are lacking common sense today. They're so quick to look on the internet, look on Google, they're addicted to their phones, and they believe everything they read rather than doing their own research. So I like to call them sheeple because they just follow their friends, and if so-and-so said it, it must be right. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think from uh, marketing research, I know where people, the highest amount of money is on um, children, pets, and women's cosmetics. So people, the parents nice. will spend on the children, and they do want the best. But I think what is missing is educating the parents to know what is best for them. So I know you yeah. mentioned just now that you're happy for anybody to listen to your talks and all the practitioners and physios and so forth. But do you yeah. um, educate parents or do any talks anywhere, any live talks maybe for parents just to know what's happening? Because a lot of people don't realize the facial structure and the airway just from doing all. I come from a nursing background, so I know a lot of people don't know anything. And doing Patrick's course recently was good to revise on just about all the nasal structure, the lungs, the alveoli, and so forth. And most people don't yeah. know that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I look, look, unfortunately, I, I, I would say 
um, I haven't spent that much time talking directly to parent groups, etc. But I have obviously put a lot of stuff on YouTube uh, and Vimeo, uh, you know, for, for parents to learn. I guess just my my calendar and my gig is is so busy as it is lecturing around the world. And with COVID, I've had to defer things that I'm catching up with. But um, I always try and tell parents um, to uh, to look at some of the uh, the research, and it's actually very well documented stuff nowadays um, uh, on on the benefits of early interceptive treatment. I mean, I'm a member of the American Association of Orthodontists, and they're very progressive, and and they on their website have a great two pages on when to bring a child to an orthodontist, and they talk about airway, and they talk about narrow palates, and they talk about facial growth changes while your child's seven. Um, so that's great. That's a, like a breath of fresh air. Um, and I'm just hoping that sort of attitude would have made more in, in other orthodontic um, communities. But for a parent, it's very hard, isn't it? Because parents, um, yeah. mothers in particular, you know, mothers will listen to other mothers and maybe be influenced by, you know, the uh, parent-teacher association type group. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, someone might have ended up with straight teeth and not realize that there's a consequence of those straight teeth. They've, at what cost have they been straightened, you know? Um, uh, and when they ask their friends um, at school or children who are in treatment who their orthodontist is, they're not really discerning into looking for what they're looking for. So uh, I think I always say to parents, when you meet an orthodontist um, for the first time, ask them, you know, what are their views on early treatment? Ask them, um, have they done any further studies in um, airway and facial growth and development? Um, you know, ask questions like that. And um, if the response is, look, no, I only treat kids when they're in high school. No, I don't believe there's any link between the growth of the jaw and the breathing of the child. That, that's the that's the practitioner you don't want to be associated with. You know, um, so, I, you know, I, I, I think the best education for any parent is to um Watch that twin study uh, and 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 look at what happened to. Uh, and it wasn't just on the story we did. It was one set of twin, but you know there was um, a large number of those twins that uh, have been followed up for a long time. And uh, and and you know the sad thing is um, when I've chatted to some of the twins, and I had some twins in my uh, study. Um, the, the saddest thing was they said that, that they said the good thing about the way we had orthodontics, at least our friends and family can finally tell us apart, right? Um, but the sad thing is the twin who had the teeth out always said, geez, I wish I looked like my sister or my brother. You know, so that's that's kind of terrible if you think what we could offer. Um, and, and the reason John chose identical twins for the study is because a lot of orthodontists say, look, that's not our fault. That was just unfavorable facial growth. That's the classic term, unfavorable facial growth. Well, if you have identical twins, how can you then talk about unfavorable facial growth? Clearly, there's um, epigenetic or environmental factors that are influencing this, such as breathing, such as posture, such as the type of orthodontics you had. So I think it's very important for parents to look at that sort of research and um, and read a little bit outside the box, because um, uh, if they're purely just going off you know, word of mouth, if that's the right word, um, then probably they're not going to get the right advice. That's great. I um, I actually taught um, two young brothers this morning at four and five, and I, I told their mother about you. So hopefully, you know, myself and other people from the Bateco group will spread the word because I know they're all super excited. And just for yeah. the listeners, yeah. um, 
I'd like to just give them your bio. So Dr. Derek Mahoney is a world-renowned specialist orthodontist who has been in private practice for over 30 years. He has built his practice and clinical teaching and worldwide reputation in offering early interceptive orthodontic treatment. Dr. Mahoney is an invited reviewer for many dental journals in the field of facial development and its association with nasal breathing. He has been involved in leading research linking maxillary arch expansion to reducing a number of systemic disorders such as bedwetting and ADHD, which you mentioned earlier. And I know a lot of parents um, will enjoy this talk just for the education side, because I'm sure they're not going to re relate those systemic disorders to their child's oral health. And I was just wondering, because obviously mainly doctors would refer, uh, dentists would refer clients to you, but for those reasons, the systemic disorders, would um, doctors refer to you as well? Yeah, my, my biggest referrals are actually my enos and throat colleagues because they see the kids who have the nasal obstruction and they see the impact that has on the development of the upper jaw. So in basic terms for parents, when you breathe with your mouth closed through your nose, your tongue sits on your palate. Um, and, um, and people can just try that now. You know, if you drop your mouth open and breathe with your mouth open, where is your tongue? It's in the lower jaw, which where it shouldn't be. Whereas if you close your mouth and put your lips together and breathe through your nose, you find the tongue sits up on the palate. And here's the problem. The longer you leave it, the harder it is for the tongue to ever do that. I mean, I have so many people now who contact me who are doing what's called mewing. And, and I'm not sure you've discussed mewing in previous podcasts, but mewing is something that John's son, Mike Mew, has um, developed and been very big on social media and it's an ability where you know we go to the gym we work out and we know that at, at any age if you go to the gym and you pump iron you can improve your biceps we know that right but but no one seems to understand that you can also achieve such changes uh, with your tongue your tongue is one of the most powerful muscles in the, in the body um, and by putting your tongue in the right position and exerting the right force, it's a very specific technique, you can actually improve lots of things in your facial profile, improve the quality of your sleep. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, one of the, the people who influenced me in my research in pediatric sleep apnea was Professor Christian Gumino. Uh, and before he passed away, he, he's the father of sleep medicine. I mean, Patrick knows him well. Patrick and I both spoke on his program in Bordeaux many, many years ago. And, and he was passionate about um, uh, people understanding that when you're treating sleep apnea, you're treating a muscle collapse. And, and, and the best way to prevent that is to strengthen those muscles. And he always used to quote that classic research from the British uh, Medical Journal, I think back in 88, um, where they showed that one of the best ways to stop snoring is to learn to play the didgeridoo. That's, that's amazing. Why? Because the muscles that you are using in playing that instrument are the same muscles that collapse. So I'm all about not just fixing the airway, but I'm about rehabilitating it. Because if you don't rehabilitate those muscles, everything else you do is going to collapse. I mean, um, um, uh, Tom Graber, who was uh, the 
um, uh, person who was the uh, chairman of the American Orthodontic Association of many years. His son is also an orthodontist. And he, he, in his first editorial, when he was editor of the prestigious American Journal of Orthodontics and Dentofacial Orthopedics, you know what he said? He said, there's a war in orthodontics and it's a war between tooth, bone and muscle. But no matter what you do, muscle always wins. So how many orthodontists are... Um, appraising perverted muscle activity, poor swallowing, poor posture. Um, you know, we know that that's one of the major causes of what's causing the facial skeletal problems and the uh, malocclusion. Yet we seem to be fixing the symptom. We're not really treating the underlying cause. And, and, I, and I think that's very important for parents to understand. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what role can parents play in their dental health and their oral health? because um, I know from experience, a lot of people start off really well with my breathing exercises. And when they start yeah. to feel well, they stop. And then of course yeah. they revert back to the bad habits. So, yeah. you know, yeah. what well, can I think, parents um, do? Yeah, look, parent education starts from uh, pre-birth. Um, so, you know, mothers-to-be, should really understand the importance of breastfeeding and understand that even though WH guidelines are six months, some of the studies have shown two years of breastfeeding are actually ideal because when your child breastfeeds in the appropriate position, you know, head upright, uh, et cetera, um, they're actually encouraging all the muscles of their face to develop properly. Um, so you can't mouth breathe as you breastfeed, right? Uh, point number one. Uh, point number two, to get the milk, you have to push your tongue up in that palate. So it's like an early form of mewing, if you want to call it that, right? Yeah. And I've seen children who've been breastfed three years, four years. They don't have a malocclusion, they have beautiful developed arches because their parents don't realize that when your children get their first teeth, you know, so we're talking uh, they breastfeed, then they are off the breast and now they're starting solids, you know, when their teeth are up. Um, a good dentition, a good arch for a child who is four years old, you know, is gaps between all the baby teeth because obviously the adult teeth are bigger, so you need that extra room. And so many parents are aghast when they see their kid who's got beautiful straight teeth at three or four, then at seven or eight develop such crowding and they wonder what happened. Well, what happened was that even at three and four, it could have been predicted that their palate was too narrow to accommodate their teeth. Um, you know, what else do parents need to know? Um, pacifiers, no matter what anyone calls them, don't believe that story about the orthodontic pacifier. It's total makeup, right? Um, any pacifiers encouraging your tongue to go in the wrong spot. So you're encouraging what we call a tongue thrust. So your tongue should be hitting your palate um, in swallowing. You should breathe through your nose. Children who are bottle fed or use a pacifier or suck their thumb, they develop the wrong tongue posture. So what's happening is, um, their, their buccinator or their cheek muscles takes over. The tongue's not doing its job. So that abnormal swallowing, that abnormal breathing is squashing their top jaw and they're developing more of a malocclusion day by day. And it has a roll-on effect on the lower jaw because when the top jaw becomes constricted, the lower jaw drops back. So these are the sort of things that um, I think parents need to understand that um, if you want to do true interceptive orthodontics, you've got to intercept at a much earlier age. You've got to look at your child's sleep. Uh, are they sleeping with their mouth open or closed? You've got to look at their child's posture. Do they have a forward head posture to kind of compensate for their poor nasal breathing? 
Um, there's simple tests you can do, measuring the width between your child's teeth gives you an indication of whether they're developing a high palate. And um, John Mew is very big on using a ruler um, to measure from the tip of your nose to your child's upper incisor. And it's called the Mew Indicator Guide. And it's a very good guide to pick up these problems very early. So what parents can do is look at their child's um, breathing. Is it mouth open or closed? Look at their child's sleep. Um, uh, look at the development of their child's jaw. Um, and you know, and 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 really be proactive in saying, listen, things are not developing as far as I can see the way they should. So you know, maybe we should find out what's going on. And some of the best things a parent can do is fix their child's airway. You know, if they can resolve whatever it is, whether it's an allergy or whether it's um, you know, inflamed um, lymphoid tissue, adenoids, tonsils, or whatever that is, if they can change that early, and here's the thing, and then re-educate the brain, right? Because I have many very good enos and throat doctors who feel their job is done once they've cleared the plumbing. So I have enos and throat doctors who tell me, we've taken the adenoids out. There's no reason why Johnny shouldn't be able to just now breathe through his nose. But we all know that simple removal of the adenoid in a seven-year-old doesn't mean that their breathing pattern will change. For seven years, they've been a mouth breather. We teach our children how to talk. We children our children how to walk. We've got to teach our kids how to breathe properly. And I think what your group is doing um, is fantastic because, um, uh, I mean, I, when I started getting into Buteco and breathing well, I read outside the literature. I realized this is nothing new. If you look at what Confucius was saying with yin-yang and where the tip of the tongue should be, uh, and you look at... Um, uh, you know, all the ancient yoga techniques, they're all deep breathing. They're all about the tongue being the right position. So it's just taken us so long to wake up to what has really been there before, I don't know, is it the word modern medicine came uh, came about? Um, and uh, I think um, that deeper breathing that the Butoko technique teaches, because as you well know, there's so many children who overbreathe. They shallow breathe, you know, um, and their brain is set into that mode. And, and, and as a result, they need to drop their uh, mouth open. I mean, we can talk about uh, carbon dioxide. And when I do sleep studies for children, I'm looking at what's called endpoint um, titration. In other words, what what oxygen exchange do they have and what CO2 levels do they have? Because CO2 is an important determinant of regulating the body's pH and the breathing and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, so much to, I mean, that, that's launching into a whole nother topic. Uh, yeah. But um, I mean, do, do you recommend to your readers some of Patrick's books? Because they're, they're really good. And, and then there's a couple that are written specifically for parents. And I gained a lot of knowledge from reading those even before I met Patrick. Thank you. And um, besides the children, because a few of the students asked me, you know, some of them have got crooked teeth. And, you know, my partner always laughs about people in Britain. He thinks most of them have got really bad aligned teeth. You know, what, yeah. are they too old for them to make changes now? Because I believe the cranial sutures don't stop moving until we're 80. Yeah, look, you're never too old to have something done with your teeth, but unfortunately, you you miss the natural growth and development of your face when you are an adult. That's what it comes down to. And many people have, um, including myself, have still been very, we have been able to widen an adult's palate at any age, but it's a different way of doing it, you know. Um, 
I don't believe that mewing has as good appreciable change on a non-growing individual as a growing child. Um, I believe when you expand in a non-growing individual, there's more chance of the teeth tipping rather than the jaw changing. Um, we use newer techniques. If you, I, I'd love to introduce you to my um, good friend and colleague, uh, Professor Wan Moon, who's developed a technique specifically to develop adults' palates that are narrow and can't breathe properly. And it's not surgical because up till now, if you were an adult, if you and I wanted to have an ideal palate and broad jaw, unfortunately, we'd be on the realms of doing like surgical expansion, which is a big surgery, right? Mm -hmm. It's called a Lafort osteotomy. Um, and I did many of those. Uh, um, but now I use a technique that Wan Moon has developed where you put these things called anchor points in the palate with local anesthetic. There's no surgery. There's no going to a hospital. Um, and, and, and you get tremendous changes in a lot of the adults. So the answer is, yes, you, you can do things with adults, but the results are not going to be as great as the growing child because growth is against you. However, that's not to say, well, you're an adult. You've missed the boat. There's nothing I can do. Just don't be an adult who thinks that lining your teeth up with whatever brace is currently available, whether it's Invisalign or, you know, a modern uh, bracket, um, is, is going to give you those changes. It's not. It's going to be working with your breathing. It's going to be developing your upper jaw. It's going to be postural changes of your lower jaw. I have many adults I treat for snoring where I make them a simple appliance where it holds their jaw forward at night so their tongue doesn't flop on their palate. Many mums... And uh, wives listening, if your husband's snoring at night, that's not a good thing. There's a chance he's probably not breathing well. Um, and, you know, I always say, you know, um, I asked my mum once when I was, um, uh, before I even did dental school, I said, mum, what would you like for Mother's Day, you know? And she said, if you can get me anything to stop your father from snoring, it'll be the best Mother's Day present ever. And that always stayed in the back of my mind. And, you know, and, and you talk to the average um, you know, lady whose husband may be 45 or older, having a few more drinks before he goes to bed, maybe putting on a few more pounds. And of course, his sleep is disrupted. And unfortunately, his noise of sleeping is affecting her sleep. We, we all know that. Um, but it's very simple things you can do even at that age to change the jaw without doing surgery. And it's all about keeping that tongue away from the palate. So I do a lot of non-surgical development in my adult patients. I do postural awareness changes of their jaw and I make them appliance they wear at night to keep that jaw and that tongue away from the back of the throat. Because a lot of these uh, people, particularly adult males with big neck sizes, effectively their, their tongue is choking them during their sleep. And changing their tongue with things such as mewing or myofunctional therapy um, is, is, is what it's all about. Uh, and then there's a whole other conversation. So many of these people have never been checked for tongue tie. So, you know, even though they want to do these exercises, they physically can't because their tongue is stapled to their palate. So many of these people want to do these exercises, but they can't get their tongue up because their palate's so narrow, you know. So it is a combination therapy of widening the palate, making sure the tongue is mobile and breathing through your nose. And if you can do that at any age, you will see an improvement. But you can't say the improvement will be as great as the growing individual. You know, the magical age, if you want to get forward growth and get all this fixed early, is between seven and nine. For some kids, I do it even earlier if they have sleep apnea and, and you know, they're facing a long-term CPAP use. But, but on average, seven to nine is where you're going to get all the benefits of what I'm teaching and preaching and talking about. But don't be disheartened if you're 30 and you have 
all these problems I've discussed and you think, oh, geez, you know, I can't do anything. I've missed the boat. You can, but you've got to come in there realistically of what is possible and what's not. Yeah, because it's very disheartening for people, you know, when they say, oh, my parents didn't have money or my parents didn't care or my parents, you know, blaming the others. But, um, you know, now maybe they're a bit financially better off and they want to make those yeah. improvements, especially, you know, yeah. there's so much divorce. And when people are on the single scene, then they want to make yeah. improvements. So those are really good. I remember tips. treating one. I remember treating a dad of three young boys who I treated over the years. And um, 10 years later, he came in himself for a consult. And um, and he said, look, um, I've been strong in my life. In my first marriage, uh, it didn't really worry me. But now I've got a young, younger bride and she's complaining about snoring and I th I'm taking it seriously. So I, I hear what you're saying. And is, is your husband Australian when he said... He laughs at English teeth. No. Yes. <laughs> he yeah, is cause... right. Yeah. Because I remember, as a, I always remember that famous episode on The Simpsons. You remember the English Book of Smiles? Do you, and they were using it to scare, I think, one of the one of the kids. And and I, I guess it's changed a lot. But when I trained in England, I, I would say certainly having crooked teeth wasn't necessarily a big thing, right? Not like America, where they only have that Hollywood smile. But again, the focus has shifted from the straight teeth to, well, what about the benefits of your sleep? What about the benefits of uh, chewing without jaw clicking? What about the benefits of sleeping without snoring? So I think the whole, the whole uh, focus has changed. And certainly in the UK, there's quite a big movement on, on holistic, um, you know, dentistry and holistic medicine and getting away from uh, uh, the um, uh, over-medicated, you know, where you go to a doctor and every ailment you have has some sort of um, prescription with some tablet to cure it. Well, you know, we know that that's not always going to help. Um, and and one thing Constantine Buco Butoko showed that, you know, there's two things that happen. When you come into this world, you'll take your first breath. And the last thing that happened before you die, you'll take your last breath. And it's the number of breaths you take in between that first and last breath that really in, in, improves or determines the quality of your health. What a powerful statement. Yeah, what a powerful statement. Yeah. And I just think people find out too late. Uh, and I do get a lot of patients who are so upset. They said, look, why didn't my orthodontist talk about this when I was younger? Why didn't my parents take me as someone who expanded my jaw rather than take Tika? I get all that, you know, um, and I feel sorry for that person. But that's not to say, well, look, I'm just going to be miserable all my life and um, uh, and per pervert that misery to other people. You can do lots of things to improve your health and, and, and you know, talk to other people about your negative experience and explain to them of what, what you could be doing, what is a better option. You know, there's all these things. But, uh, I mean, you could write a whole book on all those poor old people like yourself and myself and John Mew who had old-style orthodontics. And back then there was no alternative, I guess, but right now, there sure is, and it's terrible that um, people are still allowed to get away with this sort of treatment. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm consciously aware of the time, so I just wanted to um, say very quickly, um, because you're not only an orthodontist, you're a businessman as well. And I know you've got five practices here in in New South Wales and one in Melbourne. So if there was someone starting out, what tip would you give them? 
Well, I think the biggest tip if they're starting out in my profession um, would be to um, uh, learn about airway. I never had one lecture on airway and the importance of breathing during my three years as a postgraduate student or my five years as an undergraduate student, right? I was just, as I said, I believe in fate and I believe that I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I was dating a lovely young woman from Scandinavia, specifically Sweden, and I and I uh, spent a lot of time in Stockholm. And, and during my time there, I met one of my colleagues, as I said, Linda Aronson, who started talking all about airways more important than anything else. Think airway first, teeth last. And so I was so lucky to have that early in my career because um, you know. So 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 I'm saying doesn't matter where you train and if you didn't get any lectures on this that's don't blame your faculty blame yourself for not then thinking outside the box and taking other courses you know i mean john mew god bless him is 94 years old um he he you know you listen to him before it's too late um and um uh you know th th there's just so many uh things so so i think if you're a young orthodontist starting out two things number one You've got to treat early. You've got to understand the benefits of early treatment. Number two, you've got to understand all about sleep, uh, you know, because if you're treating a malocclusion, you're actually treating an airway problem. My PhD research, we looked at, you know, three, three and a half thousand or so children um, who had malocclusions who referred to me because of bad bites or crooked teeth. And we did one thing different. We took we had sleep studies for these kids and we gave the parents a bears questionnaire to ask about their kids sleep and behavior and we found you know over 90 percent of these kids actually had sleep disordered breathing problems right osa is the worst one but many of them didn't have osa but they had snoring they had mouth breathing they had upper airway resistance so there's definitely a correlation between the two so i just feel you can't train as an orthodontist unless you have parallel training in airway and breathing so that would be my big tip to a young graduate. Thank you very much. And thank you for all your wonderful tips that you've given tonight. And I will share your website and all your social media links with the show notes so that people can contact you. And can people contact you directly or do they need to have referrals for sleep studies or just a consultation? No, I mean, the, the, the law is changed now in Australia. You don't need a referral to see a specialist. In the past, you had to get a referral from your dentist or your doctor. You can self-refer. So most people uh, find me um, really through my website, which is um, fullfaceorthodontics.com.au. Pretty easy to remember because that's what I try and promote, a full face. Um, so full face orthodontics and yeah, through that website, um, we get lots of people. And I love helping people, even though I may not be able to physically treat them. They might be in Norway or, you know, somewhere. Um, I, I'm more than happy to give my advice and put them in touch with like-minded colleagues that I've met. I've traveled a lot. I'm very lucky to say that I've actually been invited and lectured in 120 countries in my 35 years. Um, uh, my bucket list is to make that magical one. I think it changes every year now, doesn't it? But I think there's I think it's about 180 countries that uh, that are, mm -hmm. the UN recognizes. So I'd love to, you know, finish that. But I meet so many interesting people, and I share ideas. And so I'm I'm very happy, even if you don't live in Sydney, and if you're not going to come to my practice, to give you advice and point you in the right direction. Always happy to um, do that. If I can save one child from the negative experience I had um, with my orthodontics, I I th I'd die a happy man.
Thank you. You're so kind and so generous. And thank you for all you are and all you do and all the wonderful work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for taking the time.